So you guys all had a good Thanksgiving. I heard we had a couple of, they called it double turkey days, which I guess it was his joke to say that it was his birthday and Thanksgiving at the same time. But I heard there's a couple of people who, raise your hand if your birthday was on Thanksgiving. Right there and right there. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. Well, how do, you, do you put a candle in the pumpkin pie? Is that what you did? That is hilarious. So I hope you had a good time. I hope you had a good time with your friends and family. I know for some of us, getting together with our family is kind of stressful. It can be an event in and of itself. But hopefully you're able to relax, watch some football, eat some food. It's hard to believe that today is December 1st. Anyone else just having that just kind of trip you out that we just celebrated Thanksgiving and now it's the Christmas season. It all seems to go by so fast, but nonetheless, here it is, right? And, and we're, we're in the Christmas season. So I would just say this now that we're in the season, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. I was at Fred Meyer's the other day, and, and the lady said, you'll have a good day. And I said, you too. And I was like, man, I should have said Merry Christmas. And I, said, man, I just really was like, man, I should have said Merry Christmas. So being the weirdo that I am, I actually went and bought another thing, went through the same line. And this time she's like, have a good day. I go, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it cost me like five bucks. <laughs> But, you know, I want to remind you and all of us, really, as we head into this Christmas season, that it's a wonderful season. Don't let anybody steal this season away from you. Uh, Christmas, it's to be a joyous season for the Christian. It's a celebration. We celebrate somebody who is very important and special to us. In fact, if you know his name, go ahead and shout it out. Jesus. 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 And if you know about Jesus... Uh, there, he, he was a baby boy. He was born to a virgin. Do you remember the virgin's name? Mary. Mary. Uh, not my Mary, the Mary in the Bible. And he was born in Bethlehem during the time of the census. Because there, were, there was no room in the inn, right? No, no guest rooms available. Mary and Joseph, they had to lay him in a manger. Anyone know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough for animals. How romantic. But, you know, it doesn't stop there. If, if you've been to Sunday school ever in your life, you know there are some different characters that kind of showed up at the scene, right? You got the shepherds, you got some wise men, you got a couple of sheep, some camels. Uh, I think some of them have a donkey and an ox. They all make their way into this picture. And this picture we call the nativity scene. As a kid, when I was growing up, putting up the nativity, that was one of my favorite parts of decorating for Christmas. And and we do it every year. I don't know about how it was in your family, but in ours, after putting up the members of the nativity year after year after year, they began to show some wear and tear, right? The angel would break a wing, and so you'd take out the superglue, and you're trying to get the wing back on there. Or the wise man, it was kind of gross, but his whole side of his face was chipped off, or his head was... Halfway off, but you just kept on going with it, kept on going it. But you knew it was time to retire your nativity when you lost baby Jesus, right? If you lost baby, I remember we tried to take one of the little Fisher Price men and you put him in the little bed, you know, that kind of rocked back and forth. But it just was not the same. You can't have the nativity without Jesus. I, I just want to encourage us in that as we move forward into the season. You can't have this season. Without Jesus. So we have a normal uh, nativity here that I wanted to show you. There he is. Isn't he cute? He's just a beautiful little guy. You see, we got, anyone know what that star is called up there? Star of Bethlehem. 
Good try. And then um, I love it. Jesus, or not Jesus, but Mary and Joseph, they have little halos, if you can see that. I think that's a, that's a touch my nativity never had, but I think that's pretty cool. And then you got the shepherd with his staff, and then you got, um, yeah, wise men, thank you. I was trying to figure out who those guys were. And then the camel, the donkey, the ox, the two sheep. Did anyone ever start with the two sheep, but then, like, one of them got sacrificed or wandered off last? <laughs> right? You only have one sheep, and you're like, oh, I'll just go with that. But we're going to be talking over the next four weeks about some of these characters that arrived at this nativity. We're also going to be looking at a couple of other characters who haven't been immortalized into porcelain, such as these. Uh, we're going to be looking at Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist. And we're going to be looking at the innkeeper. Today we're going to kick it off with these wise men, or these three kings. And if you grew up in my generation, you watched um, this Christmas special. It was called the California Raisins. Holiday special. Anybody remember that? That was a highlight of my life. They have so many Christmas specials back now, but back then you only had a few, right? And one of my favorite things with my dad, we'd take the newspaper and we'd circle all the, the, the things. Remember the three bears and Santa? That was one of the videos. Just weird, random ones that no one would waste their time watching these days, but I thought they were great. In fact, we have a clip of the uh, three kings and their three camels from the uh, California Raisins. different than what it actually was, right? Because I'm like, oh, I remember that special. And I went on YouTube and, and you kind of, you have that feeling of, you know, they don't make them like they used to. And then I watched that and I'm like, I'm really glad they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> so as, as much as I loved that as a kid and, and loved the idea of the three kings, hopefully I'm not rocking the boat too much. Hopefully I'm not sending you off to counseling, but I wanted you, you to know a couple of things. One, there probably weren't three kings. The Bible doesn't say it. The Bible says that there were three gifts. And I, I think sometimes we confuse that, that there's a good ring to it, right? That three kings would bring three gifts. But we know there was at least two of them. Magi is a plural word, so there's at least two of them. But some scholars think there might have been 12, some even more. Another thing, we don't know their names and we don't know where they came from. The Bible says they came from the east. That's right. But that could have been anywhere, right? Persia, Media, Syria, maybe Babylonia. It could have been anything. Different traditions have named the different um, wise men or the three kings, but we don't really know their names. And then, this is kind of sad, but the camels. I love the camels. I mean, again, they're singing in the holiday special. I mean, singing camels, you can't get better than that. But the Bible doesn't mention that any camels came to visit Jesus. I know. They could have, just not in the Bible. And then sometimes we call these magi kings. Well, there's no mention in the Bible that they're kings. I know. The early church fathers, in fact, they never called them kings. They didn't start calling them kings until six, seven hundred years 
later. Magi, they were brilliant men. They were wise men. Could have been kings, but probably not. And then finally, this beautiful manger scene that we just had up, we probably weren't at the manger scene. I know. I just keep on bursting bubbles. Some of you are just depressed. I, you know, before we go any further, before you get all depressed, if you have the three kings hanging out at your manger scene, just keep them there. Right? Just, just keep them there. It's tradition. Relax. Don't stress out. Don't go home and, you know, throw them in the garbage. Just, just keep them there. They, they look beautiful. They, they kind of give the shepherds some company. So you just keep them there. And, and the reality is these three kings, they did come, right? Or these three magi, they came to come and adore the king. It was probably just much later. It was probably at Jesus' house when he was one or two years old. So he could have been crawling or babbling, kind of like my 13-month-old. Uh, there's little Jesus, you know, going around. Uh, isn't that cute to think about? Anyways. But, so, I know I've completely ruined Christmas. And now every time you sing that song, you'll probably think of me and for, for the wrong reasons. But I, I, I want to just get to Scripture before anyone starts throwing rotten vegetables to me. So, let's go ahead and open up to um, Second Matthew. <laughs> That's in the uh, open up to Matthew chapter two. Woo! Is that in the Bible? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay, Matthew, chapter 2, let's read it together, well, actually, I'll read it, and you can go follow along, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews, we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him, when King Herod heard that he, that he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, he called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. He said, hey, go. Search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So there you go. That's it. As far as the Magi are concerned, that's all we get. It's a beautiful story, but we don't get much detail. We don't get their names. We don't get the camels. We don't get that they're kings. We don't even get the stable. But what you do get with these wise men as you read this passage, is that they had been listening. These intelligent, learned men from afar, they had been waiting and listening, paying attention to the signs for the long-awaited birth of the King of the Jews. So beautiful. That night, God spoke, and we 
worship. For today, being December 1st, it's the first day of Advent, or it's the first Sunday of Advent. Many Christian traditions, such as the one that I grew up in, celebrate the Advent season. It's the four Sundays before Christmas, and waiting, and especially listening, is really what the season of Advent is all about. Listening and waiting with expectation, preparing to celebrate the Savior's birth. (laughs) But yet, look at... So many of us, how we spend the four weeks before Christmas, we're doing everything and anything but waiting. And with the busyness of it all, we fail to do any listening. Have you observed that in other people (laughs) as you go by? Have you observed that in yourself? We often don't allow God any room, right? Any room. We don't allow him to lead us, to guide us during this Very busy holiday season. Sometimes the holidays, they can just come and go without us really even acknowledging them, right? You'll look back at the season and you'll see how busy you were. You were completely consumed by the hustle and bustle of it all. You, You never really took time to tell your kids about Jesus, right? You never took time to talk about his birth. You never took time to think about the powerful truths of the Christmas carols you were singing Like joy of the world and silent night and allow those truths to penetrate your heart. You never took time to buy those gifts for that family that you knew was in need and couldn't afford to buy their own. And you never took the time, not even once, to sit down alone with your Bible and thank God for the true gift of the season. The gift of His Son, Jesus. No, often we just rush through the season, depressed and stressed. And at some level, we've all done this before, right? You bet. It's frustrating. We've allowed the things of Christmas to steal away the meaning and the joy of Christmas. But you know, with these wise men, we can learn a lot. We can learn a lot from them. God would want to teach us this morning what it means to be a modern day wise man who listens, who waits, who prepares, who takes time to celebrate the King. You know, in the drama that we just watched, which Pete did so well, He concludes by saying, 400 years of silence broken by the cries of the Son of God. What is he talking about? What are these 400 years of silence? He's talking about the 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, and the beginning of the New Testament, where Gabriel speaks to Zechariah. Protestants, which we are Protestants here, we would call this time the 400 silent years. 400 silent years. Now, in reality, was God still speaking through this time? You bet. He actually was. In fact, we've got a couple of characters in Luke chapter 2 uh, who the Lord was speaking to. There's Simeon. You remember Simeon? The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then along with Simeon, you got Anna. Anna, who was a prophet, a prophetess, who never left the temple. The Lord has been speaking to her and through her for a very long time. And she was very old by the time that we find her in the Gospels. So God was not completely silent. But this is why we call it the 400 silent years. It's because he was silent in his word. There are no holy scriptures from this time period. Nothing. But then his word comes on the scene. It comes on the scene with the birth of Jesus. In fact, the beginning of the Gospel of John should give all of us as Christians goosebumps every time we read it. John 1, verse verse 14, it says this. Jesus, the Word, became flesh and made His dwelling 
among us. The Word became flesh. God chose to be here with us. The message translation of that verse, it says, The Word became flesh and blood, and it moved into the neighborhood. I love that. So with the birth of Jesus, God, He was finished being silent. So the game was on. Prophecy after prophecy would now be fulfilled. The word became flesh through Jesus. Salvation had come to this earth. And what we see in these wise men is that they were reading the signs, so to speak. Do you see that? They were reading the signs of this coming king. They weren't too busy to see the signs and they weren't too busy to follow the signs. They understood what that star meant because they had been listening and waiting. And so they followed it. They were ready for that day. And this was a long journey that they embarked on to visit the newborn king. But they were ready. Some scholars, like he mentioned, some think that they might have been traveling for as long as two years. It took them longer than the car ride that we took to go down to the Redwoods a couple years ago. As fun as that was, it was long. But it was longer. It took me a long time to drive from Florida when I was in high school. From Florida to Seattle. That was long. But it took them longer. But they were ready. In fact, they were prepared for this trip. They were so ready, they had even thought about the gifts. That they would bring. Remember the gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and what was the third one? Myrrh. They didn't come empty-handed to celebrate Jesus' birth. And let's just put this out there. They put me to shame in this area. I'm always unprepared for celebrations, especially birthday parties. This is embarrassing, but you cannot count on any good presents from me if you ever invite me to your kid's birthday party. Don't do it. I'm ashamed to say it, but I went to my seven-year-old's nephew's birthday party this past summer, and we didn't have a gift for him. So I stopped at the local corner store on the way out to Enumclaw. And and so, much to my surprise, the Circle K did not have a toy aisle. And so, after much deliberation of figuring out whether I'm going to get him the corn dog or the Funyuns or the Monster Energy drink... um, I, I finally settled on the fact I was going to get him an extendable, everybody say extendable, extendable, extendable back scratcher. <laughs> I did. And, and, and in fact, I asked the clerk for a bag, a plastic bag, so I could wrap it up. So at least he'd have the joy of opening up the present. <laughs> Who gets the seven-year-old back scratcher for his birthday? I do. But by the way, he did say just a couple months ago that it was his favorite present that he received that day. That doesn't let me off the hook, though. It was a terrible gift. But (laughs) the Magi, no, no. See, the Magi, they knew what they were doing. They were prepared. They didn't bring the extendable back scratcher. Now, when you look at what they did bring Jesus, it definitely wasn't anything that he could play with, right? They they didn't find it at the local Baby R.S. But, But when you read about these gifts, you see that they were appropriate. You see that they were beautiful and that they came from men who were ready to meet with the king. All three gifts, they were common offerings, common gifts that you would bring to a king. Gold because it's valuable. Frankincense, it's a perfume and myrrh being an anointing oil. But all three of these gifts, they also had a spiritual significance as well. They brought gold as a symbol declaring his kingship, declaring him the king of the Jews. Frankincense, which would represent Jesus' divinity. It would be burned as a pleasant and pleasant offering to God. And myrrh, which was used in the embalming of the dead, which acknowledged the human suffering that Jesus would experience. Again, these are intense, beautiful, powerful gifts. This week, as I was preparing this message, I, I was just so impressed how these gifts, They show that these magi, they were prepared, they were ready to meet with Jesus. 
They didn't bring a back scratcher. They brought the appropriate offerings for the king. And, and it just hit me heavy this week. And, and the question that came to mind is, and the question I guess for all of us this morning is, do we live with that same kind of intentionality? Right? Do we live with that same kind of focus? Are we prepared? Are we ready to meet with the king? It's such a good question to ask ourselves. Are we prepared and ready to meet with the king? Or have we allowed the things of this world, both good and bad, by the way, but have we allowed the things of this world distract us from what really matters? To take it one step further, when we do meet with him, do we come with the appropriate offering or gift? When we meet with him, do we give him the leftovers of life? Where we offer him what's left after we've given everything of value and significance to everybody and everything else. With our time, do we give him the first, the best, the most intimate moments of our day? Or do we give him something at the end of the night, just kind of throw a bone to the Lord by opening up our iPhone and reading a verse before we go to bed? With our money, do we give him our first 10% or more? Or after giving all of our money to Starbucks and Comcast and McDonald's and all of our creditors, do we search our pockets and try to find some coins or some chains and throw it at him like he's the Salvation Army guy with the bucket and the bell? How do we come to our king? What does our offering look like? Now, praise God that our king accepts us as we are. I, I love that about the Lord. We can come to him just as we are. He accepts our gift and praise the Lord for that. As the song says, a thousand times I've failed, yet his mercy remains. It's all about God and his grace in our lives. But without adding anything to his grace, as someone who is in a relationship right now with the king, which is all of us who follow Christ, we should be living our lives in such a way where we are ready and prepared to meet with him, offering him our best. Simple application of this is when I was in high school, I um, was going to church at Wabash Presbyterian Church. And the preacher was preaching one Sunday morning, and he, and he said that you need to give God your best, which actually is a pretty common sermon in a Presbyterian church. But um, he said, showing up on Sunday morning so tired that you can barely keep your eyes open because you stayed up la- late last night isn't giving God your best. At the time, I mean, i got to be honest, I was staying up till 3, 4, 5 in the morning on Saturday night. I could barely make it on time to the 11 o'clock service. In fact, as he spoke... I could barely keep my eyes open. And I knew at that moment that I wasn't giving God my best. And so since then, I try my hardest to go to bed at a decent time on Saturday nights. Most of you that know me know that about me. Now, I'm not under the law. If I have to stay up late on a Saturday night, do I feel bad about it? No. But as a general principle, I try to be in bed by 9, 10 o'clock at night on Saturday night so that I can give him my best on Sunday morning. What does it look like in your life? What does it look like? I mean, don't make it too offering, but what, or too complicated, but what does your offering look like that you are bringing to the king? Are you carving time out of your busy life to meet with him? Are you giving him your best financially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually? When you survey your life, are you traveling long distances with costly gifts to bring to the king? Just encourage you as you head into the season. We're just at the beginning of this season. Think about it. Think about it. What time have you carved out in your schedule? You have, what, 25 days. In the next 25 days, what time have you carved out into your busy schedule to celebrate Him? Have you come into this season? Have you made worshiping Him 
and adoring, adoring him a priority this season. What gift do you bring the king? Some of you already, as I, even as I'm talking, you've decided that this season is just going to be crazy busy, right? It's just going to be stressful. That's just the way it is. It's going to be depressing. It's going to be empty. It's going to be full of despair. You, you just, the, all the joy is gone. I just know there's not going to be any joy this season. Can you just push the pause button on that for a second? That's a lie. Some of you have already convinced yourself of that. Put a pause on that, please. The season doesn't have to go down like that. It doesn't. This is a joyous season to celebrate. And I want to encourage you, you, whoever you might be today, you have so much to offer the king this season. These could be the best 25 days of your life. But even there, as I say, that you have something to offer to the king. Some of you say, but Pastor Dan, you don't know me. I got nothing to give. Pastor Dan, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. I got nothing to give. I'm broke, Pastor Dan. I got no money. Nothing to give. Or I'm addicted. Pastor Dan, I'm a user. I only take from people. I don't give anything of value. I just take. Or I'm a liar. Pastor Dan, anything I would give would be a lie. Or I'm a thief. Anything I'd give him would be stolen. And maybe that's how you came in this morning. Maybe that's the truth of how you came in this morning. But right now, this very moment, listen up. God, he only truly wants one thing from you. And this is very important. Whether you're broke or addicted, a compulsive liar, a goody two-shoe, a thief, a murderer, a hypocrite, a prostitute or a pastor. What he wants from you, the greatest thing that you could give him today is your life. He wants your life. He wants your life. When I, when I lead us in the sinner's prayer at the end of the service, I almost always ask you to repeat after me. And I say, Lord, I give you my life. Right? Lord, I give you my life. My life, I give to you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. And I say that because he loves you so much that he wants you to give him your life so that he can give you his. So that he can live in you. He wants you to give him your life so that he can fill you up with his Holy Spirit. So he can equip you. So he can resource you. So he can help you and lead you by his Holy Spirit. So instead of living by our flesh, instead we are living by the Holy Spirit. And today, right now, you can do that, regardless of your current situation. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if your entire track record on this earth is of someone who has only caused ruin and destruction. Today, all of that can change. The king loves you so much that he wants you to give. He wants to give you real. He wants to give you abundant. He wants to give you joy-filled life. All you have to do is give him yours. The Bible tells us that when we give him our life, that Christ takes residence in us. He dwells in us. He lives in us so that it's no longer us that lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. See, the old damn burst, he is gone. He is dead and buried. Now I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I am alive in Christ, and Christ is alive in me. Galatians 2.20, it's a beautiful verse. It puts it this way. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 12.1 says, 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, listen, listen, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Washburn Church, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, spiritual, proper act of worship. You want to come and worship the king? You want to lay your gifts down before him? Then you offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This means today, again, regardless of how you came in this morning, you've got to stop living for the things of this world. You've got to stop living just to satisfy your own wants and your own desires where all you're thinking about is me, right? Me, 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 me. That's, that's a trap that we get into. But instead, we would live for a greater, greater purpose, for greater things. We live for God. And we live for his purposes. And with that, then we have to give him everything we are as an offering. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. A living sacrifice. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. This is bigger than bringing that back stretcher. It's bigger than bringing the gold frankincense and mirror or myrrh. We come to him with our lives. Are you prepared to give him your life? I'm talking to everyone in this room, Christian or not. This isn't a salvation message. I'm talking to every one of us. Are you prepared to get uncomfortable, to get unsettled, and truly follow Jesus? To give him all the days of your life. Spiritually, are you willing to travel? Great and long distances to adore him and to worship him as your king. I want to read Romans 12:1 again, this time from the message translation. This is what it says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Let's read it together. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Do you see it? Do you, do you see it? The offering that he desires from us? It's our lives. It's our lives. Today, the man and woman who does this, who does what the scripture just said, that person is so very wise. At this time, I wanted to invite Mary up to the stage, and I've asked her to sing a song. And as she does, I want us to use this time and take it very seriously to consider our lives. Take inventory on your life. What does your life look like? How are you using the time that God has given you? How are you spending your time, your money, your resources? Consider all of it. Consider your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life. Consider it all. And for those of you who are tired of living for the things of this world, I know I am. If you're tired of living for the things of the world, the things that rust, corrode, and fade away, I would just encourage you and I would challenge you to use this time right now. To give the offering of your life back to the King. I'm really happy that we began this Christmas season with the wise men. I'm happy that we get to talk about what we're bringing to the Lord as an offering. Because, you know, a lot of what we do during Christmas comes from the story of the Magi. This whole gift giving thing that we do. It comes from 
the wise men. The wise men gave gifts to Jesus. We give gifts to each other, reminding ourselves of the presence that they gave him. But as you remember the gifts of the Magi, you can't help but think about the greatest gift of all, which was the gift that God gave us by sending us his son. This is a pretty popular verse, but never stop reading this one out loud. See, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. I know we've heard that verse before again and again for some of us, but it's so incredibly powerful. Don't ever forget its message. See, this verse, it speaks of a God who gave a gift to this world. God gave a gift to us. And this gift is more intimately connected with and more indescribably precious to God than any of us could ever realize or comprehend. When God gave the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, he was giving from himself the one and only thing that could redeem our souls. The only sacrifice that could forgive us of our sins and save us. From our sins, the compassion and the mercy that God had for each one of us in this room, it far outweighed the grief he must have had knowing how so few would actually come and receive this gift. Yet he gave this gift anyways. See, Jesus, he was not an afterthought. Jesus, he was an intentional gift from God, just as the wise men were intentional with their plan to give gifts to Jesus, nothing compares with the intentionality of God. Jesus was not plan B. Jesus was the plan. God did not give Jesus because he needed to. God gave Jesus because he wanted to. It was out of his love for us. He gave. He gave so that you and I could have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of our sins. He gave so that you and I would have the authority and the power that belongs to those that are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He gave so that you and I could experience true intimacy and fellowship with the creator of the universe, of heaven and earth, the Holy One, the everlasting Father, the eternal God. It was for this and so much more that he gave his son. God, he knew the depth of our depravity. He knew what we needed. He knew that we needed a savior. He knew and understood our hopeless situation. God knew that without his son, there could be no reconciliation back to himself. There could be no purpose for our days. There could be no hope for everlasting life. And so God, this good God, he gave. He gave. And it is humbling to realize that this personal God gave such a personal gift to each and every one of us. This baby boy that we're going to celebrate over the next 25 days, over this next month, this baby boy who was born to a virgin in this tiny town of Bethlehem, this baby boy whom the shepherds found lying in a manger, this baby boy who the magi followed after the star to find him, this gift from God has become our redeemer, has become our savior, has become our deliverer, and he is right now our king. And one day he will come back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen up, church, this morning, as we once again offer to our God our lives, wholly surrendered, reckless abandoned, committed to his will being done in our lives, let us remember that everything we have, everything we have, the eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the everlasting and amazing love of the Father, everything we have has been made possible because of the greatest gift ever given. The one that God gave 2,000 years ago in the birth, 
death and resurrection of His glorious Son, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we give you our lives. I'm in this boat with the rest of us. God, I just give you my... Take it back. I don't want to live for the things of this world. I give it to you, God, right now. We, we We just say, have it. Have your way. I give you who I am, all that I am, Lord. Take it, God. Take it, God. We give you an offering of worship and praise. Let our lives be a life song to you. Let the time from when we wake up in the morning until we go to bed at night, let it be about serving and loving you. Show us how to do this, Lord. We need your help. Teach us by your Holy Spirit how to live for you and for you alone. You know, as we're praying this morning, there are those of you who have already decided that this season is going to be miserable. I get it. I, I, I tend to lean that way sometimes in my own life. You've already settled in your heart that you're going to walk through it stressed out, depressed, and full of anxiety. You've already mapped out how you're going to max out your credit cards and, and you're going to spend all this money that you don't have. And you've already started the fighting, the bickering, and the feuding. If that's you or, or if you feel the inclination like you are heading in that direction this season, I would love to pray for you this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? And I'd love to pray with you. Absolutely. Anybody else? I'm raising my hand on this one. You bet. Anyone else? I'd love to. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Absolutely. Go ahead and put your head down. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now I pray Philippians 4, 6 over those who have raised their hands. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Everybody say peace of God. Peace of God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, right now, grant them your peace. Father God, rain down your peace on this place. That as we give back our lives to you as an offering, I pray that they might receive from you. That you would calm that raging storm that is already brewing within them. You know the anxiety. You understand the depression. And right now, Jesus, we pray that you would tell the waves, hush, be still. Lord, we pray that you would give us back this holiday season, this Christmas season. For each person that raised their hands, Lord, we say that you would take it back. Whatever the enemy has tried to steal, we take it back in the name of Jesus. And then with all heads bowed, I, I don't know, there might be one of you or two of you, a couple in this room, who have never truly given your lives to Jesus before. You're not a Christian. You, you might say you're a Christian. You might say that you believe in Jesus. But you know in your heart you've never allowed him in. You've never created space and room for him. You've never allowed him to be your Lord and your master. You're not following him anywhere. But without Jesus, you are destined for an eternity without him and without God. Jesus is he's the only way the Bible says he's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to make it to heaven, to have eternal life. He's the only way. Today, he wants to come into your life. He wants to be your life. He loves you. He died for you. He has made a way for you. All he requires from you listen up. All he requires from you is everything. He wants your life. You don't take Jesus and put him in your back pocket. You don't take Jesus and connect him. Just kind of bring him along like he's a get out of hell free car. You know, right now, Lord, as we pray to you, 
I pray that people would make the real and life-changing commitment to give everything they are to you, God. Because, God, you want our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. You want everything. So today, church, give God everything that you are, and he will give you everything that you need. If that's you today, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, just raise your hand. I want to see you. I want to connect with you. I want to be able to pray with you. Just raise your hand. I want to see you. Anybody. This isn't a stressful thing. This is a beautiful thing. This isn't a precious thing. This is a life-changing thing. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to celebrate with you the eternal life that God wants to give you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever, whatever that is, whatever it's not of that, just let it be. If I'm saying the wrong things or, or making you feel uncomfortable, just forget me. Listen to the Lord right now. Listen to His Spirit right now calling you. No, raise your hand. The rest of us, let's pray together. God, I give you my life again. Give you my life again. Don't let it be wasted. Take back what the enemy stole from me. Lord, restore the joy. Lord, restore the hope. Lord, restore the life that's found in Christ Jesus. about your neighbors. Think about the kids in school that you're sitting next to that you know their family situation ain't good. But what an encouragement you can be. Think about even those songs we sing about Jesus Christ and Him being the light of the world. Well, guess what? you got some light in you. And you're supposed to shine that light. Just begin to think about it. Just go big. Go big. Maybe it's something crazy you're thinking about. Being on the street corner or, or maybe you're a kid and you, you have your school and you know that there's that one, uh, I don't know, I'm just going for it here. Maybe there's that table in the cafeteria and maybe it's an opportunity for you to meet with the principal, not because you did something bad, but because you stood up and you started telling people about Jesus. That would be a pretty cool way to have a principal meeting. Try it. I'll, I'll support you. <laughs> maybe you're in your workplace and they said, no Merry Christmas. And you're just like, you know what? I'm going to say Merry Christmas. I don't know. If, if, you, if you can't afford to do that, then don't do it. But if you can, if, if that's what God's calling you to do, then do it. 
Maybe you were at that apartment complex and you saw that the need was much greater than any baskets we could give. And maybe you want to adopt that community. You want to adopt that apartment complex. And instead of just coming once and saying goodbye, you want to become connected into that community and to give and to give and give. Maybe for you, it's you know you're a musician, you know you have a talent in singing and you know what a Christmas carol does to somebody. It, it lights up their world when you sing a song and maybe you need to put together a crew to go Christmas caroling to bring some joy into somebody's life. Maybe you are financially well off and you, and you, and you pass by those, those trees with the kids, uh, the angel tree. But maybe it's time for you to just say, I'll take the whole tree. Just give me the whole tree. Every kid, every need, I'm going to fill them today. Here's the check. Whatever it is, Lord, begin to stir us up right now. The tendency is for every one of us to walk into the season selfishly. But instead, Lord, we say, here's my life. Take it. Take it all. I don't want to be selfish. I want to be selfless during this season. I want to be used for you and your glory. Take it back. Take it back. Take it back. This four weeks is over. We're going to be high-fiving each other and hugging each other because it was the best Christmas season ever. In the name I declare that. I pray that.